Okay, so um, the main surprising thing is that all of this. So uh, today, let's uh, in our together. It's quite a long passage, so um, if you sort of gather around each other, please let me know what you're doing or what you're thinking, and uh, and read through the passage together. That's really good for the recording, isn't it? <laughs> They're all going to read their passages in um, in their group. We could pause it. So we're reading John 3, verses 1 to 21. Oh, we, we can pick it up, yeah.
Yeah. Okay, so um, we're going to um, just uh, today, this is how it's going to work. I'll try and do it differently every time. Um, with I'm going to give you some sort of uh, little sort of helpful hints and uh, bits which in the passage are sort of, you know, what does that mean? So I'm going to talk you through a few bits and then we'll uh, do our discussion um, and then I will sort of finish off with a thought that I had. Um, and uh, at the end, I'd really like for people to share um, stories of uh, darkness to light experiences, so born-again experiences. And I'm just warning you now, um, if there is anyone who's got quite a clear testimony of, uh, you know, most of us haven't, I don't think. Mine, I haven't, so my story isn't a... But, but, uh, but a kind of like, how does that feel, a... A born-again experience. Has anyone got one particular? Not not saying you should have one at all, um, because uh, being born again can happen in all sorts of different ways, um, and sometimes it can be a longer process, and you don't feel any difference, so you can't pinpoint the moment when it happened. Um, that's definitely the case for me. Um, but if anyone has got one, then it's uh, they're really encouraging testimonies to hear. So. Um, anyone's thinking or willing to do it, that would be me then at the end. Okay, so um, here are I've got uh, sort of a few, when I was reading it, there were a few bits which I thought, oh, that's quite sort of difficult, um, or what does that mean? Um, I'm not going to look at this um, quite yet, so uh, we're, we're going to look at verse 5 first of all. Um, so we've got this chap Nicodemus, who's obviously a very, very learned um, teacher. Um, so he, he sort of he knows his Old Testament, um, and he completely doesn't understand what Jesus means by being born again. He, he can takes it totally literally, um, and Jesus is sort of a bit bemused by the fact that this very learned teacher of the law has not grasped at all what all the Old Testament, all the scriptures are about, even though he knows them inside out. He doesn't really know them. Um, so verse 5, I thought, was a, an interesting verse. Jesus um, answered, uh, I didn't write it down. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Um, so I just thought I'd point this out because it, we might automatically think that therefore water means uh, baptism, physical baptism. Um, but that's not what Jesus is talking about because otherwise it would mean that we, ha we have to be physically baptised to be born again. And that's definitely not the case. So Jesus means there at this point that uh, born of water is, um, I mean, in the Old Testament all the way through, the sprinkling of water was all to do with cleansing. So being born of water means uh, being cleansed completely um, and then of the spirit, which we'll sort of talk about a little bit later. So that's uh, something on verse 5. Then uh, I carried on reading and I thought verse 8 was also a little bit kind of, what does that mean? Verse 8 says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. 
You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So what, like what, what point is Jesus trying to make there? What does he, what does he mean by that? Um, well, the word for wind is pneuma, um, and it's uh, also apparently the same word for spirit. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So uh, maybe I've Oh, okay. But this is written in Greek. Am I right? Okay. So, but Jesus was speaking. Oh. Okay. I, my point might not work here, but I think Jesus is using sort of play on words because it would depend on the context as to uh, when you use the word wind, it would often mean spirit as well, and you just had to work out from the context of the sentence which word he was meaning. Um, so therefore, the, the, he's talking about the spirit and the wind all, all together as one. Um, uh, and, and I kind of grasped from this that, that um, Jesus was saying the spirit is some, not something we can control. Um, uh, so, so when we're born of the spirit, I'm really sorry, but you don't get to do your own thing anymore. You have to follow where the wind takes you. We have no, we've got no control over the wind at all. It blows wherever it pleases, and that's just like the Holy Spirit. So you are, you are totally surrendering yourself um, to the wind when you are um, uh, b- getting filled with the Spirit. Okay, so that's, that was the sort of little explanation on that verse. Um, then the, the next verse I came across, which I thought, uh, okay, I think I'd... You know, this one needs to be explained. Is verse 14, where it says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone believes may have eternal life in him. So this story uh, that Jesus is referring to is this one. And it reads, When they journeyed, so this is um, from the time of when Moses had brought the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Uh, God had done amazing wonders. They'd crossed the Red Sea. Um, they had uh, followed a pillar of fire at night and a cloud of smoke during the day, and God was uh, amongst them and with them. Uh, he'd, when they were hungry, he'd made sure that they had daily food. They didn't have to uh, work hard to produce their food. God provided it for them. Every day they had this food provided for them so that in the wilderness they wouldn't die. He had really looked after them. So it says, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So they're moaning about the manner that God's providing for them every day so they don't die. Um, so the Lord has sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. I think uh, the bite was obviously fiery. I, I can't imagine they were actually on fire. I don't know, they might have been. <laughs> uh, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed to the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent. 
so the same type of snake I'm getting next up here in green, so I make this particular type of snake um, and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Harsh? Yep. God doesn't tolerate sin. And the payment of sin is death. Um, and the people of Israel had been rescued by God repeatedly and had daily food provided, and they still turned against Moses. Um, they knew exactly what the snake meant. I think if that God did that kind of thing nowadays, I think we would totally miss it. We wouldn't see it, but they knew exactly what the snake meant. They, uh, they knew that it was um, God giving them a, a warning. Um, but they also knew that he'd rescued them before, time and time again, and that he was a gracious God, and he would help them if they asked for it. The whole story points to Jesus, who is the cure for sin itself. But the snake only healed them if they looked at it. They must have faith and action, and then they are saved. So it is a complete picture, and um, there were, um, you know, so many times in the Old Testament where the people um, did wrong and suffered for it because the consequences of sin is suffering all the time. All the time the consequences of sin is suffering. Um, but all the time God came up with a way to rescue them. And this one, and, and all the time they're, they're so similar to pictures of what Jesus did. All through the Old Testament um, all of the, uh, the things that happened point to Jesus. And this is just another one of the many, many examples um, of an Old Testament story pointing to Jesus. Okay. So those are the sort of the kind of verses that I thought were a little bit tricky, so I thought I'd give a bit of background on it. Um, now it's your turn to um, see if you can, you can look at the questions, you can talk however you like. You don't need to fill in, I don't like that bit, I like that bit, I've never seen that. But use that as a guide if you need a starting point. Um, and we're going to share sort of what, we've, what we've talked about and what we've thought about up to. Okay? Yeah. Any questions? <laughs> then you may begin. Okay. You think you need longer? You want longer? No? No, I'm hearing a resounding no, we're done. We're, we're finished. Okay, so finish off your discussions. Okay, so I'm just going to go through the I like that bit, I don't like that bit, and 
and uh, you may share as you like. So, anyone got an I like that bit? You haven't. Don't like any of it. <laughs> um, I'll go to Emily first. And then Wait, no, I'll come back. Oh, you'll get, oh, okay. You did have an I like that bit, though, didn't you? I like the bit um, when it says, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have life eternal. Because it's like with the serpent, um, they all um, asked and God uh, gave them the uh, bronze fiery serpent and um, whoever believes in him, whoever has faith, uh, shall look at him and shall have eternal life and not um, die and perish having no I liked the, I've written down here, the humanity of the Pharisees, because I feel like the Pharisees are always referred to as a group of kind of dark figures in our background who are criticising Jesus, and I feel like Nicodemus coming forward was a bit kind of like going after curiosity, um, which is kind of been been kind of a common theme. Yeah, not all Pharisees were, yeah, 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 good. say to you is just very, very simple, really, and how I see it. Um, and I reckon that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night because he was frightened of being seen mm. by his fellow mm. Pharisees, and I think a lot of them were murderers, but, yeah. um, but I, I think also that I, I, I think that um, I think this is wonderful about being born again, and I think this is an instruction to all of us that we should be born again. And I don't see I don't see any way around it. I don't want to see any way around it either. It's um, I think it's wonderful. It's what we should seek. And um, if we're born of the Spirit, this leads to our acceptance to heaven. And I think basically that's what it all boils down to: is our acceptance to heaven if we're born again. But I also like the the, the interesting about God loving the world so much that he sent his only son to die for us, because I think that that's absolutely wonderful. And I have got a testimony to give, Rebecca, and uh, it is very black and white. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, Andrew's got some as well, Ali. Thank you. Um, I think what we liked um, was three things very quickly. The first one was Nicodemus, as has already been picked up, is the fact that he's that picture of um, humanity who actually comes to Christ because we are all in darkness and we can't be in that darkness. Um, and when you tell people you've got to be born again, they say, what, what do you mean be born again? Um, so it, in many ways, it, Nick, you know, and he was frightened of his contemporaries. So he came at night. And uh, for many of us, to actually come to Christ means to shun the... Um, the disapproval of people who want nothing to do with Christ. So, it, so in many ways, Nicodemus is like a picture of of, of us speaking to uh, looking to Christ. Yeah. Um, the other one was that um, uh, what was that one? The other one. Um, okay, yeah. So that the um, the fiery snakes, um, the serpent snakes, are a picture of the serpent and the epitome of um, of sin. Fieriness means means judgment. Um, so, p 
that we're under judgment. And when the, and when the, um, uh, fire trucks were put up on the pole, and by faith they looked and they were healed, as has already been mentioned by um, uh, Anthony. And but also, um, one of us asked, why did why did they get a picture of the snake? And then we we discussed and found that actually Christ had to become sin. So just as yeah. the um, the serpent was yeah. put up there, it was a picture of Christ becoming sin for us and yeah. taking the sting of death. Yeah. <laughs> so we feel our sin from that cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Um, so uh, the next one, um, oh, Claire's got something. Um, just speaking about um, we were born of, of uh, blood and of water, and, and when you, I don't know how many of you have been to a birth, but we've all had one. But when you were born, <laughs> when you were born, you were torn away from your mother, and that blood was that separation. Um, and yet, when we're born of the spirit and of water, we're joined back again. So you know, we learn separation from our very young age, and we need to know how to get back together again through the spirit and through Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So um, the next bit is we. I don't like that bit. It's often linked. I don't understand. So let's just let's do those two together. Either I don't like or I don't understand. Is there was there anything in the passage that uh, I mean, uh, Andrew sort of suggested one earlier on, like why was it a snake, uh, which you've explained. So is there any more um, of those that we that we have? No, no absolutely understood everything. That's excellent. <laughs> let's go home. <laughs> No? Oh, um, can you wait for the microphone because it's being recorded? Please explain what it means by no one has ever gone to heaven except the one who came from heaven. Okay. So, what verse is that, Laura? So, in 13, so the, uh, I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. So we need to I just need to say that it seems a bit obvious, really, isn't it? That there's actually no, none of us have, have gone to heaven. Only Jesus Himself, who comes from heaven, is the only human that has experienced heaven. Um, so why does He say that? I don't know, Dan. And this is not original to me. I only found this out this morning as I was just uh, doing a little bit of preparation. Um, so uh, the, the commentary I was reading said there was a cottage industry in Jewish thought around people who had gone directly to heaven without having died. So people like Enoch, Elijah, possibly Moses, and others. And so there was a strong, and, and they built up all sorts of stories of people who have not died but gone straight up to heaven. And Jesus is saying, but I'm not one of them because none of those came down from heaven first. Okay? And so Jesus is the only one to go up to heaven by being the Son of God. Who has previously come down 
don't have to give you permission. Okay, thank you. I, I wouldn't have been able to answer that. <laughs> I did question Laura. Uh, Rusty Smith. Um, I, I think these are more questions um, on the subject of I don't like that. Verse 10, we've already talked about perhaps Nicodemus representing the Pharisees, but, but being uh, more open-minded, open-hearted, um, and you know, receptive to Jesus. And yet Jesus says, you are Israel's teacher. So can we assume that Nicodemus was as learned as his contemporaries? And you do not understand these things. And then, um, obviously, this is in the context of, of um, you must be born again. So the question is, where in the Old Testament might Nicodemus have yeah. um, should have picked up yes, on this yeah. idea of, of exactly. being born Why again? Why should he have understood? Perhaps that? all the way through it, surely. Um, uh, in the in the uh, in the renewing of uh, you know the day of payment every year, uh, in the forgiveness of of the sins, um, the, the, the I would imagine the tabernacle. I I think uh, just the deeper understanding of what was behind the idea of getting pure, um, to be able to get into the presence of God, um, was a complete renewal of body and mind and spirit, wasn't it? With the, and obviously they didn't really grasp that spiritually. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe that. Maybe just all of those times that uh, I don't know how they did see it, or I don't know how they would have understood that. But they didn't. They didn't understand it, obviously, as uh, as it was meant to be understood. Um, that the that the you know the continual um, cycle of um, uh, repentance um, and uh, an innocent taking the punishment that they deserved. Um, they didn't see it as complete. I get a fresh start every time. I don't know what they did see it as. I don't know. <coughs> Any other thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I don't have an answer, but I'm just looking at the words that Jesus says here. Um, we speak of what we know. We testify to what we've seen. And it's still testimony. So it's like, you're when he says at another point, you search the scriptures yeah. to know me, but you do not believe. Basically, it's who's in front, standing in right. front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, to me, it ties in with here. It's like you keep looking at the scriptures, and I now, the fulfillment of the scriptures mm. is in your face, yeah. and you're still not getting still not get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, um, that's got to be the incarnation yeah. gospel of who well, it is, isn't yeah. it? Mm -hmm. Who's coming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but it's so looking up and looking at Christ mm. and facing it. Yeah. Yeah. The Pharisees, um, they focused on the law, didn't they? Yeah. So their hearts were full of what what it meant to obey the law. Um, and apparently, because the Jewish people had been taken into exile for disobeying the law, when they came back to Jerusalem, rebuilt, and became a Jewish nation again, what was important was making sure this time we don't disobey the law. So that was their 
take yeah. it all the time. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like they're, they're gl- yeah, they got yeah. blinkered by it. Yeah, they got yeah. blinkered. Yeah. yeah. And also in my life, I'm looking, looking, looking for the future there, the future stepping. And then and I'm asking God, looking there, and then I get a pop on my shoulder, a turn around, and off we go. Mm. You know, that, that was how God, that's how the spirit is, but yeah. they were stuck in the law. Yeah. Some of them didn't even believe there was. Oh yes, no, they didn't believe in the afterlife, did they? No. Um, okay. Okay. Your teacher for learning seventy know these things because in Ezekiel thirty-six. Yeah. And um, it, 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 it connecting that with what Sue was saying about the return from exile and the keeping of the law. Um, and Jesus, uh, sorry, Ezekiel uh, prophesied, uh, the Lord says, I will sprinkle clean water over you, and you shall be clean. Were you going to mention No, I wasn't. I, I came across it in my planning, okay. and I decided yeah. to not focus okay. on that bit. Um, uh, I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. So... Don't be surprised I say to you, you must be born again. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born of water. Yeah. Okay. I will cleanse you. I will sprinkle clean water over you and you will be clean. And then I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So the law of God, which was so difficult to keep, they had their heart, because of their hardness of heart, God saying, I'm going to take away your hard heart and give you a new heart. That will, so that following my laws will be moved by my spirit. You will follow my laws. I'm going to put a new, new desires in your heart, yeah. and and I think what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is, haven't you read that that's what God's going to do? Yeah. He's going to wash you clean, and He's going to give you a new heart, and it's going to be from the Spirit. I will yeah. put my Spirit in yeah. you, born of water yeah. and of the Spirit. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> okay, let's. Um, Let's move on. I, I think we'll leave that that will change my life because actually we can we can sort of cover that with the testimonies at the end. Um, and I'm looking at the time, so um, and there's lots that we've talked about that we haven't that I have never seen that before. So there's n- been loads of new stuff um, that we've never seen, and we read this passage so much because it's the most fa- famous. Or perhaps we don't. Perhaps we just focus on that verse and we forget the context of where it's come from. Um, so is just before I kind of uh, sum up, um, is there anything else that you felt that you talked about in your groups that we, that we haven't talked about and that you want to share? Okay. Um, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Nicodemus 
and the whole of the Jewish people would say, because we are of the flesh of Abraham, because we are descended from Abraham, we are the children of God. Okay. We are born of God because we are his children, because we can trace our physical ancestry back to Abraham. Yep. Okay? That was the point of the flesh. But Jesus came, but you must be born from above. Well, that's another way of translation, born again. You must have the birth which comes from heaven, which is by the Spirit. Okay? So, and so what Jesus is announcing here is the new family of God. Yep. The new kingdom, which is bigger than the, 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 the one that the Jews inherited by slavery at the time. by faith, uh, and, uh, and none of us would be here, yeah. none of us would be here, because I don't think anyone is literally, actually, physically descended from Abraham here today, no one's here, <laughs> okay, Actually, it's really interesting that um, everything that sometimes things that get discussed, um, well, my bit at the end just actually sums up what everyone's already really said. Um, but um, but what when I was preparing last night, the thing that I've got is um, is actually completely different. <laughs> That's good. Uh, okay. Uh, so I thought we'd look at the other passages we talked about in the new in the that Paul talks about that actually really relate to being born again. I thought it'd be good to read them. So Galatians 2.20 says, um, I have been crucified with Christ. So this is another picture of, of being born again. Um, because if you you've got to die, I've been crucified with Christ. I've got to die to my old life, to my old way of doing things. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 6 says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, just that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So he did the act of physical dying. And through our faith, we then uh, die to our old way of doing things and we turn towards him and follow him. And 1 John 5, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him, who is begotten of him. <laughs> I should have chosen, I don't know. I should have chosen a better translation. Uh, so now I've got to try and work out what that means. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and everyone who loves him who begot, uh, so uh <laughs> God begot, uh, us and Jesus also loves him who is begotten of him, that's Jesus. Um, 
So if you love God, you're loving Jesus. Is that is that, that basically what it means? I don't know. Yeah, do a different translation. Yeah. Or just click on and ignore it. Um, hold on, let's... Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Son is born of God, and everyone who does not cannot be my disciple. There you go. So it was pretty much, yeah. I did understand it. Right. Thank you. Uh, that's last. One more. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Um, so our new life is born of the Spirit. And, and that's exactly what Jesus is, is. This is kind of like a little summing up of the whole of what Jesus is, is saying. And our physical bodies that can't can't do it. We can't rescue ourselves. We can't give ourselves um, life eternal. It's only the Spirit who can do that. Okay. Uh, there we go. We've got another one. But to all who did receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, this is the new birth, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So uh, when we are born again, we, we don't live for ourselves anymore. We live for him and we do what he wants us to do. Okay, so, the, uh, so th- these are my thoughts as well that I... Um, had. The most famous verse in the Bible is in this passage, and it answers the question of life, the universe, and everything. Just like 42. It is love. That is, that's it, isn't it? What's the reason? What, uh, when everyone says, what's, what's the, you know, why are we here? What's the purpose of the universe? Well, it's because of love. God created the universe for love. Uh, God gave us free will for love. God showed us throughout all history how his way is best. And when humans messed up, he gave a way to rescue them again and again, teaching humanity how his ultimate plan to send his son was going to work time after time. We see in the Old Testament um, so that we would understand what Jesus really came to do and the significance of what he did. Um, love is not something that atheists can explain. I tried. I tried to find out how we evolved um, love, how, how we, we, we turned from chimps to humans and evolved the, the, the ability to love. Um, and honestly, <laughs> it was utterly pathetic what I found. It really was. I was really surprised. I thought there would be some really good arguments that evolutionary scientists have found that, you know, that would try and really talk about how, well, you know, um, how love has developed in, 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 in humans. Um, but actually all they can come up with is, is the love between a man and a woman and monogamy. They can only sort of try and explain that um, uh, survival of the fittest occurs where uh, two partners stay together um, because they they uh, tend to produce more children than those that don't stay together. So therefore, love develops so that 
human beings would stay together so they'd have more children and reproduce and therefore survival of the fittest and, and we, we would go on that. It's all like a spying on, on how humans are. There was nothing, nothing about the love that we have for each other. The, sale, the, the, the self-sacrifices that nurses make in the hospitals when they've got a patient that's dying and they, they are, they have, a, uh, they don't have, you know, so what, where is that love? Where does that love come from? Um, it's not, it's, it's counter-evolutionary, isn't it? Um, because actually we'd sacrifice ourselves. Well, that's not survival of the fittest. Um, So this kind of love, the love that Jesus had for us, the love that we have for each other can't be explained through evolution, um, and it seems to be totally ignored by evolutionary scientists. But love is what makes us human. Love is why we all exist. If we're not loved as babies, we can't function in society. We bring harm to society. Uh, They've done so much more research in, in recent years about, about kids with attachment disorder, kids that haven't formed a loving bond like a baby, um, and, uh, and they, they have no empathy. They, don't, they almost don't know how to love, and therefore they don't have loyalty. They don't care about the, what consequences their actions are going to bring on others. They have no sense of um, love for other humans. Um, and they uh, and it, it and it destroys our people. Like that destroy our society. Without love, we can't. Right from the start, as babies, we can't function, and we're no good for society. Absence of love destroys. It's love that actually makes our world work and survive. It's only because of love that we have good in this world. The Bible says that God is love and that we are made in his image. And God loves us so much that he gave his only son so that we can become his children. When we are born physically, we need to form an attachment of love to other humans not just for our own survival, but actually for the survival of the whole human race. So when we are born of God, we must form an attachment of love to him. And we're like helpless babies. We have to let him do all the right things by his spirit to make us fit for his society, heaven. We don't need to have all our questions answered. A newborn doesn't know or understand anything. We have to come to him like a newborn, with nothing of our own, a complete fresh start. And we become part of the society of heaven, right here, right now, when we do that. Amen. Okay. So to finish... Share a story of their being born again. Mm -hmm. I think many of you have heard of 
Genesis 16, we'll start with Genesis. Turn it off. Yeah, well, you can do that. Oh, no, it's on. Yeah. Not here. Oh, no. Anyway, I feel, I, I feel slightly short time with this. But I, I got quite involved with a bit of crime. But I've also spent two periods of time in prison for violence. change a little bit. I got married, had five boys, and my first actual child got But I was starting to seek something which I didn't have a clue what I was seeking because I didn't like Christianity. I hated it. I hadn't grown up in a Christian family, although some members were Christians apparently. And uh, I really thought that Jesus was the enemy. And, and I didn't want anything to do with it or him. And uh, 1989 the culmination of two years of seeking and doing all sorts of things, I came here to this, this very room of Corsair, outside. And that is actually where I became a Christian. Much to my surprise, and I must say against the run of play, but it, but it happened. I fell flat on my back, and I was out for a, I don't know how long, not that long, but it was long enough. And then God must have done everything to me because I think I was converted, born again. Everything that can happen was done at that one time. Because when I came to and staggered to a seat because I thought I was, because I, I, was, I, I was under the influence of the Holy Spirit and it felt like being drunk. And I sat down and a woman came over to me and said, welcome to the family of, of Christ. I didn't know what she meant. I didn't really know very much about what anything meant, to be honest, because it was all new to me and completely alien. But I know that uh, the next day, I think I was walking about six inches off the ground, and I was working at Rosalind School at that time, and I went around telling all the teachers what had happened to me. 
I phoned my parents up. In fact, I was telling everybody, I told people in the street what had happened and what, guess what I found? And actually, the funny thing was, when I went home on the Sunday from here, Yvonne and the kids were, well, my, we, I had my kids and she had her kids and we were, we were living together. We weren't married. <gasps> Terrible. But um, as soon as I opened, as soon as Yvonne, because I'd forgotten my key, I was, Yvonne opened the door and she looked at me and I said, guess what I've, and she put, I put her arm up and I went, bam. <laughs> and she, she was absolutely um, horrified. And I think she was horrified for the next three months until she became a Christian. But things have been fantastic. I mean, my life is black and white in those, in that way. But I am so pleased that I'm in the light and I'm with God. And I love God so much, it's unbelievable. But I, um, but even when I was a Christian, I still had a lot of problems. I was still envious of people that were doing things, you know what I mean? And, and all sorts of stuff. And in the last two or three years, I think my love of God has really going, is really going in a different way. I, um, I, I can't explain it. All I know is that it's get my relationship with him is getting deeper and stronger. And probably deteriorating. And things are, things are changing in my life. Um, people say I don't smile very much. Well, I've never had reason to smile, and I just don't smile. So don't, don't, don't condemn me for it, because I don't smile. Because a lot of pe other people look miserable, but, you know, you know, you say the same thing to them as well. But I love God. I want to stay with God. I can see no reason for me going away from God. And I just want my relationship to get deeper and deeper until I eventually meet him and can embrace him. Thank you. opposite extreme I um I, I wasn't a, a, a nice biker or anything like that I was a nice little girl in a nice little village in a nice little church in a school and I thought I was a good girl and I used to sing hymns every week and read um listen to the um the, the priest or the per well you know the vicar <laughs> in my church of England church and I had I was asleep. I did not, I had not heard the gospel until uh, I got married to a non-Christian, had had my baby Thomas here 36 years ago. I was still asleep and it wasn't until I went to a Billy Graham, um, it was just a film, that I heard the gospel and I thought I had never heard it said like that before. It is so simple. Jesus Christ died for me. I'm a sinner. I'd never thought I was a sinner. I thought I was a good person. Even though I'd got married, got pregnant, then got married, you know, and I'd ignored God for the last five years, I was, I was not a good person as far as... And Jesus had died for me, and all I had to do was believe that he had died for me on the cross for my sins, and to commit my way to him, admit I was a sinner. I thought, is that all I've got to do? I've just got to admit what a bit of rubbish I am and believe on Jesus Christ and he's 
died, we paid the price. And and at that point, I I was at this meeting. I had this burning sensation in my chest. I I had to do something about it. My chest was literally burning, and I had to get up and stand with all the people there. And I stood up and I thought, what on earth have I done? <laughs> I was there in the Congress Theatre in Tunbridge Wells. It was massive. And there were all these people. I could see my next-door neighbours, three rows up, staring at me. <laughs> um, and um, I, I went out uh, and I went home and my husband was in bed and he went, did you have a nice time? I went, uh, yeah. And I somehow knew it wasn't going to go down well. And in the so I went and had a nice long bath and I read this I read this verse three sixteen I was I'd taken home the Gospel of John I read it to myself in the bath and I can honestly say that by the time I'd got to the end of it I believed entirely in Jesus as my Savior and that was the I think I was born again at the meeting because I'd stood up to make a commitment. But I understood what I'd committed myself to in that hour in the bathroom. And all I can say that afterwards, the Bible just stopped being a dead book full of just words like any other story. It started answering questions. I'd open it. I'd open my, I'd find exactly the scripture that I needed um, my husband had uh, he'd committed an offence. He'd been driving down the M1 over 100 miles an hour. He should have lost his licence. And we went to the court and um, we got away with it. And I was sitting in the waiting room and I opened the Bible and it said, I will contend for you in the courtroom. <laughs> and I, I hadn't even really read the Bible. And it just, I opened it. There we were. And, and things like that kept happening. I kept hearing voice, a voice talking to me if I was thinking something wrong or maybe reading the Bible. And all I can say is that God just started speaking to me from that moment on. So suddenly, um, I, I knew a change had happened. Okay, time has kind of run away. If anyone's got a very short version that they could... Can Claire be short? I am short, yeah. I don't know, it's a bit short, Claire, I don't know. You want to go home? <laughs> I am joking. Go. Okay, um, I came to the Lord, it was a and, and it was a very quiet journey, but there was a time when something changed my life so radically. Um, I always, always walked around with a sense of rejection. I would go into a shop and I think they all hate me there. I, at school, I felt they all hated me. Actually, some of them wanted to beat me up after school because I was clumsy, you know. Um, and uh, I went away with a, a, a group to Israel and we had someone there who prayed for me for rejection. And I tell you, from that day on, my whole life changed. So, um, you know, there can be something that binds your life, um, even though you get saved. Um, God can set you free from it. I still can feel things from the past, but I'm freed from that bondage. And 
bribe can change our lives and mm. set us free from danger. Yeah, it's a good, yeah, it's a good story too. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Could you just sum, sum everything up in prayer? Thanks. <laughs> no pressure there. <laughs> yeah, make sure it's short. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Father God, I do thank you for this morning. I thank you for the way that we have been able to worship you, to be in your presence, to be sharing your truth one with another. And to recognize, Lord God, that there's never just one answer with you. You do layer upon layer upon layer, and you link lives. And I thank you for that, Lord, that through relationship, you link us to you. And uh, I pray, Father, that we are as the family of God, that we live in accordance with your truth, Lord, encouraging one another and working together to be more Christ-like. So as we leave for this week, Lord God, mm. may we keep you in the forefront of our minds. Mm. May we live and move and breathe in thanksgiving to you. Amen. Amen. Amen.